You know what? I'm gonna try myself my hand. I'm gonna try my hand at an intro. Hey, welcome to Waiting for Review, your show about milkshakes with Daniel and Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Daniel. Wait, we're not. We're not. We're not about milkshakes, actually. What are we about? What are we about? Um, indie app development. That's better. Um, indie software services development, website development, and APIs. Hang on, I'm not describing your world very well at all. Actually, it's pretty cool. Maybe founding a company or something. But I also already have an extra grind. Go on. I already have an extra grind and it has nothing to do with founding companies or indie app development. It is like I'm looking at Discord right now and there's a Nitro, 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 Nitro uh, tab and it has an icon that is very obviously not nitrous oxide, but it uh, it is, um, you know, like a motor's turbo. So why is it a turbo when it says nitro? This, this is horrible. It should just be turbo, right? It should be turbo because it's the turbo. Yeah. It's a turbocharger, obviously. And somebody's been uh, very immersed in racing, that sounds like. Oh, I have, I have been playing so much racing games. Like, um, Alex is out of town for the week. And um, so basically, I just put the racing chair in front of the TV and just left it there. And I've been working super hard the last, the last week. And so basically, whenever I was done for the day, let's say at eight or something, I was working really a lot. I was like, huh, how about a nice, relaxing race where I can just calm down? And then I would sit in front of the TV with my steering wheel in my hand and be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, that, that's like in my holiday between jobs, um, I got a game called, um, hang on, where is it? Proteus. Which is oh, like yeah. a, a modern Doom incarnation. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a shooter, but done after the 90s sort of style. And um, yeah, that was the same sort of thing. Oh, I'm on my break. I'll have a nice relaxing game of, oh my God, they're coming out of the walls. <laughs> and uh, Helps you sleep afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Adrenaline pumping, everything else. Um, so that was that was nice. But, uh, yeah, but I did raise my driver rating from a from a D to a C, so I'm like hugely proud of myself right hey. now. <laughs> but speaking of your new job, have you started yet? Yes, yes, I have. And how is it? Do you want to tell us about it? Briefly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, because this is not indie app development or any of the stuff Correct. we normally talk about. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm three days in. Uh, four days now and the job itself i think is 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 really quite cool it's it's similar to my my old job in a sense of i'll be looking after looking after after some devs um doing some management in that sort of sense and um right now i'm in the immersion sort of side of things where i'm learning like how the, the business works learning how the app has been laid out learning all the the different teams um, and that side of things that's that's going on. Um, but I think the thing that's probably most different or most interesting uh, is that the sheer scale of what we're up to in this, in this uh, company is bigger than anything I've worked on before. I mean, like anybody listening who works for one of the big Silicon Valley companies is going to be like, yeah, whatever. 
um <laughs> but re- relative <laughs> relative to anything i've I've done in new zealand or or even in the uk this this feels really quite big um we've got over 40 ios developers in the team um and android's very similar as well so we've got quite a lot of developers and uh that's dictating with the app that the way it's structured um and the way things are, are developed and built is is a bit different to perhaps whatever i've worked on before so that's that's cool that's interesting and, it, and it's very different to my indie development as well you know like whatever i'm doing for myself on the side it's like we've spoken about testing and that sort of stuff before and i can just sort of be a bit more kind of yolo with my own stuff you know <laughs> <laughs> um but this is this is a an environment where they're actually aiming for um like a continuous development stream of things so when things are are merged they're ready to release there's things like feature flagging um the entire stack itself is is quite specific and quite um quite tailored to their needs um and so there's a lot to learn and i'm really enjoying it that's uh yeah i'm gonna i'll link in the show notes a youtube talk at um one of the australian cocoa heads uh meetings that um essentially describes part of the stack and how it's working with a um we don't use json we we're using protobuf and grpc okay uh which is a binary uh transmission of data effectively but type safe um and so this this talk talks a bit about the depth that's going on within the app there and i think it might be quite interesting to to some of the listeners of the show um it's it's certainly something that i hadn't sort of come across some of these concepts before so yeah it's it, it's cool um very cool the github um uh, page describes protobuf as a language neutral platform neutral extensible mechanism for serializing structured data so basically json but typed and in binary form yep yep and so cool. a lot quicker it does sound very cool um yeah i imagine for your world that would be something over in uh, for telemetry deck that you could jump to well you start using in a sense um if you'd wanted to uh a lot easier because the server side and the app side are sharing code because you're using swift on the server so i imagine there'd be the opportunity there as well like your your models are the same you know and i know yeah that's that's true yeah um but uh yeah i mean for a lot of purposes it's not that sort of data transmission is not necessary in json it's just fine but uh the way we're using it in this job is Mm -hmm. definitely leverages leverages this bit very very well um so anyway i'll link the the talk in the uh in the show notes and people can take a look at uh at what some of the very clever people on my team are up to um that's awesome and so. uh i hear that you're also working on a tiny indie indie app called go vj how's that doing how's go vj doing yeah so Go VJ, we're now, what, seven, eight weeks at least into sort of uh, version 2 being out there. Sales have dropped down to uh, kind of background noise, which I expected after, given 
what we've talked about in previous shows with that initial sort of blip of people um, upgrading effectively from from what they had before. Um, what I've done recently is I've noticed that my I've got a monthly and a yearly subscription and then a in-app purchase to buy the app for life, as it were, or to buy pro mode for a life. Right. And what I've noticed is things have settled down to being a lot of little one-month subscriptions that are the lowest payment. And so I'm taking that as a signal to sort of say, well, maybe my pricing's not quite right. Because really I want people to look and go, hmm, the annual one looks good. I'll go for that. Uh, because that's a a good middle ground between spending a lot of money and spending a small amount of money. And it's the ideal for me. If, if, if everybody signed up on the annual, I'd be very happy. Um, right. You know, um, so is, um, is the, is, are people like buying a month and then dropping back to, back to free or yeah, are they buying of, monthly I've, plans? It's a mix. I think at the moment I'm probably about 70% renewing for a second month but i think right. if you if you look at that probably over three to six months it will drop right off is my suspicion um so it's not necessarily awful but what what i'm taking this as a signal of is that maybe i need to be nudging people towards the the annual a bit more and so i've been discussing paywalls on twitter with a view of sort of thinking yeah. if i can spruce up the page that i've got uh, I'm planning an update to the app that that literally is just about changing the paywall and changing what uh, people see when they first log into the app. Mm-hmm. So at the moment when you first log into the app for the first time ever, um, you are greeted with the an onboarding screen that is effectively the help screen to just guide you into how to use the app. And that made sense for GoVJ1 where there was a sort of like um, drag and drop mechanism that people really needed to be guided into. But I suspect with the new UI, people don't need that in quite the same way. So yeah, what I'm thinking is, is I will introduce people, have some sort of like, essentially they'll get the paywall and get the option to go to, to the how to use after that or to start using the app. What I want to do is sort of set the scene, which is, this app has these fit, these things that you can pay for that make it even better. And to essentially say hello, introduce myself, because the paywall has that, I sort of say about how the app is made with love by me in New Zealand. And I... Oh, yeah, I love that. You know, set the scene that it is a, a solo dev building it. Um, mm. So I'm going to tweak that slightly, have that as the, the first thing they see, and then they can go, yeah, not now, and start using the app. Uh, because at the moment when people discover the paywall, it's because they've gone to do something or they've wondered why is that locked down there? And then they get hit with it and it feels more like I'm going, ha ha ha, you need to pay, you know, (laughs) rather than sort of gently saying this stuff is something that's going to make your life better. So I I think there's some messaging there that I can tweak a a bit better and a bit of a, a user path through all of this that might be, better than what i've got with the goal being obviously that more people are convinced like yeah this is right i'm gonna pay for this this is great um because i think you know that there is value there for anybody who's going to use it regularly so it is worth the amounts that are that i'm charging 
Uh, but on that note, the other thing I've done in the meantime, before I get that update out, is I've experimented with my price points. So the monthly price point in particular was bugging me because it, it's it's a couple of bucks. It's just two two dollars mm. US, and I was sort of looking and going, well, really, that's like the lowest I thought I could charge. So I've up up the price on the uh, the monthly. I've up the price on the annual, but not proportionately as much. So the monthly's gone to double. It's now three ninety nine a month. The annual's gone from nine ninety nine a year to fourteen ninety nine. And I've, I've, I've that bumped. sounds very fair. Yeah, yeah, and and so again, what I'm trying to achieve there is essentially making the annual look a lot more attractive than than it might have done before. Uh, so I think that combined with with refreshing the paywall screen and and just having a different think about some of the flow uh, might kind of shift the needle a little bit because yeah, it's nice getting a monthly that's like you know okay, yeah, there's a a dollar thirty or whatever it is I get left with after Apple take their cut, um, but it's not. It's also not great, and I'm starting to wonder whether the app was actually making more money on the previous in-app purchase. <laughs> um, and I'm basically <laughs> seeing the yeah, same people that. that would have bought the in-app purchase before that was higher priced and had it for life, sort of doing this kind of like small taste for a month and then maybe not renewing the next month. It sort of feels a bit. Ah, okay, I'm I'm actually potentially losing money in the longer term if this carries on like this. So, yeah, maybe you should also think about what are the things that these customers are hoping to get and why don't they get it right now? Like you know, yes. like they're they're upgrading to paid and then they're landing in paid land and they're thinking uh, they have they have a certain expectation expectation like you don't know what that is yet. But, that's that's very uh, true. Apparently, that expectation is not met. Like it might just be that they don't need it as much. Yeah. So that means maybe you need to restrict the free app more, which is kind of be- uh, a sad thing to do. But maybe that 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 is something that needs to be done for you to make this app sustainable. Or maybe you need to find out, like, hey, what is the thing that we were hoping for that isn't there right now? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and then actually providing a better opportunity for people to to give me that feedback as well. So, yeah, I I think there's there's opportunities there. So I I could um, I could definitely put something in where I'm asking people, yeah, what is the num- what what is the next thing they would like or something like that, mm-hmm. um, where I'm sort of canvassing for that that feedback of uh, of features and. I've got a couple of ideas about that. Like, instead of it just being a some sort of question that pops up and I just ask them to type stuff in, I can probably ask them to give me a a selection. You know, here are the, the top three things I'm thinking of adding next to the app, which would be the most right. useful for you. And, you know, you select one or you click other and then you give the verbatim feedback. I think that could be could be useful. Yeah, um, totally. I actually saw someone doing exactly that, and they were using telemetry deck for that. Oof, I was going to ask you about this, actually, yeah, because I think this could, <laughs> could use telemetry deck for this and do this in a nice privacy-first I mean, way. Especially if you have, um, like, set options, and, like, it doesn't have to be, like, people, like, entering entering text, then you could totally do that just with signals, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, I'd always like to have the option of, of people giving me some sort of text um, because sometimes, you know, the devil is in the detail and if somebody's passionate enough to give you that other, then you end up finding something out that's that's really crucial. But I could do that in oh, another yeah. way. The other could be something that pops up the email form, for example, that I use for support. And they can literally just start an email and, and you know, do that instead. And then I can have the selections going back to uh, back to telemetry deck. That would still be useful. So, because... Uh, to- totally, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I know you I, could I, also I could... just send the thing as a text, but it would be kind of hard to retrieve, I guess. Yeah, it would. It would. Um, I mean, probably not for me because my volumes are quite low. <laughs> I could just go and have a look at the signals and see what's there. But uh, yeah, really, I want a bit. Want to have an insight that shows me the uh, the selected options, and then maybe just provide some other back channel for the for the direct sort of verbatim other feedback. Um, but yeah, those, these, these, this is where my head's at. It's actually rather than going hard out after like, hey, here's this cool new feature, ta-da. Um, the next update for GoVJ should be about me refining this paywall and potentially looking to get a bit more customer feedback through one way or another. Um, I mean, another way that I've, I've thought about this before is, is in that onboarding flow, actually asking them, oh, what's your primary use for GoVJ as well? Because I have some distinct sort of customer types that I tend to see in support. And what I don't really know is like, what's the leading customer type? So is it people yeah. who who already think of themselves as VJs and they're looking just to see if there's an app they can use with their existing rig? Um, are they people who are actually DJs um, who who just want something to run some automated graphics for them behind them? Um, are they musicians who want something similar? You know, there's, there's groups like that that I think um, I can probably codify again into three or four choices and and have somebody select. And I think it would be useful for me to be grabbing that that information as well because I can ask that of everybody whether they're paid or not mm-hmm. um, and start to build up a picture, you know, especially if I keep track of that selection when it comes to sending through a payment signal and then I send it as metadata as well. You know, I can start to get a picture of like, well, I'm seeing 50% DJs, but then conversion-wise, there's only 20% DJs there. So therefore, I'm not meeting their needs properly. Oh, yeah. You know, that 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 sort of analysis. And and I mean, I'm seeing small numbers of, of stuff through the app throughout, so there's a limit to this sort of fine-tuned testing but if i'm using it to kind of guide understanding who my users are and what the features are that are most likely to meet their needs i think it's still very very useful so yeah, and also think about when you display that kind of thing because you don't want to overwhelm your users at the very first launch you know that's true. like maybe you want to stagger that a little bit and then have and have like maybe the maybe you want to show the paywall at first launch uh, um, or maybe you want to even put that like at third or fifth or whatever launch and the yep. same with the questions like who are you actually like like don't 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 annoy the users all the time they want to use your app because they want to use your app that's true that's true and i could but annoy um... them just enough to pay for your services <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway i'm gonna have a think about this see what i can come up with 
Um, probably post a few designs and things to Twitter as I go. Oh, that's so by the, by the time this shows out, people may well have already seen seen that sort of stuff. Um, but that's the plan for GoVita at the moment. And then while I was on holiday, I started making another side project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a very, I have very... a test flight inv- invitation. You do, you do. It's a very um, tiny little app that just converts video to, to audio. So if you've got a video file, it just takes the audio and exports it out um, to MP3 at the moment. And right. it's just a small utility. I just kind of wanted to have a play a few days on holiday, just like how quickly can I make this thing? Um, it turns out I can get something basic together within a day, uh, but getting something usable together is like seven to ten days. Um, that much? Like, yeah. Is that how much time you already spent on the app? Not complete days, so it's really hard to gauge because uh, mm. I was on hol- holiday. But um, I reckon it's had probably three or four full-time days on it already to get it to yeah, where it is. Yeah, that that looks that that sounds about right. Um, yeah. Do you want me to describe the app? Go on. I'm interested to hear how you describe right. it. So I am launching the app. Um. Hang on, it's a tiny app, but tiny apps are awesome because, um, um, you know, they do one thing and that's really cool. I'm sorry, like the thing asked me to learn more. <laughs> a test flight asked me to learn more. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They, you know, like you start, you start a, a test flight uh, or an app from test flight and it g- gives you the screen that shows you how to take screenshots and give feedback. Yes, and it gets in the way. I am so used on these kinds of screens to ignore the big flashy primary button and go for the <laughs> tiny text only button just beneath it because every other thing that wants something from me um does the like puts their wanted action onto the onto the big primary primary action you know i mean i do this yeah, yeah, as yeah. well yeah, in yeah. my apps of course <laughs> and apparently apparently i'm already trained to just I see this kind of screen. I'm all. I'm, I'm immediately going for the tiny text only button beneath the primary button. So I might have to rethink a few screens there. <laughs> anyway, so I've launched the app. The app is called Video to Audio, for the uh, moment, and yes. it gives me it gives me a screen that is mostly empty. It's mostly black because I'm right now in dark mode, um, and I have two tabs that say Edit and Recordings. Mm-hmm. And in edit mode, there's a big button in the middle that says select video. So I'm tapping that and I am selecting a video. Mm-hmm. I'm actually saving a lot of videos from uh, TikTok because I just want to like keep it in my photo, uh, in my photos and just like share them around. Yep. And now I see a preview of the video and I have, I have one of those. Um, uh, I see a video picker that allows me to select a time range from out of that video. And it's very yes. smooth. And that's actually something I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. is like, is that, did you make that yourself? Because that is just a really good user interface element. And the, it's uh, really good to use that. The trimming tool for the video itself. Yes, that's the name. That's the name. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I did. Um, initially when I was putting the app together, I just used um, a a Swift package that somebody else put together with a similar tool, um, mm-hmm. which was UI kit based. It was, it was nice enough, um, but it was a, a video trimmer. Uh, so it showed previews of the video and didn't do what my app is now doing, which is I show the 
audio waveform as well as the thumbnails. So the thumbnails of the exactly. video are across the top and then the waveform is across the bottom and you get an idea right. for where the, the hotspots of sound are for that. Um, right. And what I can all, what I also can do is I can drag across the video and there's a line and that line will be, I assume, exactly where uh, the trimmer is. So That's I can right. like drag from left to right and then kind of scrub through the video on a big touch target, which is very nice. Yep. Only thing I'm missing here is I was kind of expecting the big the big orange vertical line to go down through the trimmer so I can actually see on the trimmer the position because now it's kind okay. of like not connected to that. And the other yep. thing, I just tried it out. I don't think it snaps to the line. And that's kind of something that I would expect. Like I'm putting the line exactly when I, where I want to be. And yep. then I'm moving the, the arrows and then I'm kind of expecting it to snap to the line if it's closer but other yeah. than that like this is actually a really cool app because it is so simple and it's like exactly it does exactly what i expect it to do which is i now tap the export button it's it uh, throws it a spinner <laughs> like uh, that no, just it it throws up a spinner <laughs> yeah yeah it may well sit there so and only a few seconds later or maybe a few more seconds later it will allow me to save that mp3 file into yeah. my files app you which well is really cool there because i've got a known bug there where sometimes the trimming range doesn't seem all right to i'm work. just going to minimize the app that, that was my nice little tour of the app yeah and yeah i like the simplicity it does exactly one thing it doesn't try to be like a swiss army knife that gives you all these different tools it gives you ex exactly one thing and if that's what i need this is exactly the app that i want thank you that's exactly so, the idea nice. as well um so a couple of things to mention yeah i've definitely got some edge cases and bugs i mean i'll link the public test flight beta in the show notes if we want um that's probably a good good call Mm -hmm. uh but by the time this show is i maybe i'll be further along maybe i'll have lost time into go vj and this this just sits there for a bit um but there are some known bugs like the mp3 encoder is a bit finicky about the time um like the, the distances of time so short times um seem to not work consistently and i've got some debugging to do there in terms of what's going on I suspect it's probably something quite obvious to people that know the format, and it's a case of like when you're at this level of um, of, of encoding, you actually need to pad it with some blank blank audio or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I need to just spend a, an afternoon and get a bit deeper with the the encoding library. But once that's fixed, it's it's not far off, ready to go. I've got a, the recordings tab is is working now. The version you've got, it's not working quite as well, but I've, I've got an update for that soon. Um, so, yeah, you're able to play back your recordings and share them from there. Um, and there's a, a couple of tweaks around that export um, modal that pops up that I definitely need to get in before I ship it. But otherwise, it's it's come together quite quickly. And the thing it's proven for me is that I can share code from one app to the other quite quickly as well. So the settings screen, I just copied everything from GoVJ and then trimmed it back to be what I needed it to be for this app. Um, mm -hmm. So if you go there, you can see I've got like a, an about option and then a bit that shows up the third-party libraries that I'm using and puts links out for those, a link out to the privacy policy. Um, and all of that oh, was yeah, just cloned that. straight away from GoVJ. Um, mm -hmm. And it took me the best part of like maybe 
less than an hour to just get that in, get it trimmed, get the new stuff in that I needed it to have, um, and to make it work. You know, versus whatever Very it took cool. me to, to sort of build that in the first place. So that that was the idea. Uh, as a indie, the thing I'm trying to do is get reusable code, and I want to be able to go well. I've got this really tiny idea. Can I execute on it quite quickly and just put put this thing together and get it out? Um, because I sort of figure that I've got my core app. I've got my app that I'm sort of grinding on for, for features and things with GoVJ, but I still get these small ideas and I still get these ideas where I'm like, yeah, I could do an app for that or do this for that. And if I can kind of just focus on the core feature and then all the mm-hmm. other boilerplate of, of the app... I can clone in from other projects, then maybe I can ship a few more things. Is sort of the the theory, at least. Uh, I mean, if I release this this side project, which I think I will, the plan is to make sure I automate its screenshots in the same way that I did for GoVJ, and that I kind of copy paste on one of my websites to then insert the screenshots and some text and essentially get something up and running very, very quickly to just then put the app in the app store. You know, I've got a privacy policy page. I've got a, a general product page that sort of shows what the app does very simply. I don't need to keep rethinking, oh, what's exactly the right thing for this? You know, I've, it's that's not important. Just getting the app into the store is the thing I really want. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't think I'm going to quite be one of these indie app developers that's got 50 apps in the store or anything, but I, I just <laughs> you know, I just want to make my life easier so that when I do have an idea, I don't get hung up on like all these other bits and I can just sort of focus in on, on the bit I want to play with. Um, I really like that. And I mean, tiny apps are just the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I've been able I'd to rather have, have fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's um, good. That's good. Just like have the have the tiny app, but also have the the more feature complete GoVJ. That's really nice. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to, to to anything else, I just wanted to mention um, the trimming tool that you you, you focused on. Um, when I built my own version of that, I made sure I built it entirely in Swift UI. Okay. Uh, very good. So how, that, how yeah. are you? How are you finding Swift UI on like because in my experience it is pretty far along on the on 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 iOS, but I'm still having a lot of problems with uh, macOS. But uh, we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah, um, <clears throat> certainly for 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 iOS, I'm finding the same thing is is that it's it's complete enough for iOS for me to do most things. Um, so I'm not really grumbling about the things it doesn't do anymore. It's very much become a case of just like, well, is there a Swift UI way of doing this? Yep, there is. Great. Do I need to roll back to UIKit for something? Okay, fine. I can do that. You know, like the the video the video preview screen on the app, this this utility app, is an AV player view controller. Um. Mm-hmm. Because the Swift UI equivalent didn't give me the option to turn off the playback controls, I've got my own controls in the app. But the UI kit version did. So simple. I wrap the UI kit up in a UI view controller representable, um, insert it into the right place in the Swift UI hierarchy, move on. 
You know, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, my God, it doesn't do this one specific thing. Swift UI is shit. It's like, no, I I can just do this, wrap it up and, and move on in life. And it's it's actually fine. Um, and the benefits of having the Swift UI architecture around it and, and, and for the rest of the app and the speed that I get from that means that mm-hmm. this is how I want to build my apps right now. Um, I'm yeah, having a lot more fun. Um, the the thing is, is that when I with the Mac version of this app, I'm just using Catalyst. I'm doing the um, uh. Mac but iPad version, as it were. Yeah. Um, so I'm not thinking about does this work properly in Swift UI when it's backed by AppKit. You know, I, I'm. I'm I'm not you're not ready to far. try that experiment <laughs> i am not i am not i know my limits <laughs> and um i've heard enough of the horror stories from from the other side of, of, of just how much it doesn't work as well as you'd want it to i'd, I'd sooner have a, a catalyst based app that just doesn't feel quite as mac OS-y, but that i don't necessarily need to to worry about so much than go the other way and have to learn a whole load of new stuff um, on top of just getting things done. Um, yeah, I can... don't. Th- I don't feel like you have to learn a lot of new stuff. Like if you can write a Swift UI app on iOS, you yeah. can write a Swift UI uh, app on a Mac. It's just like at. Uh, it's just like that. In my experience, at least, there are sig- a significant number of of things where you suddenly either need to know the the secret incantation that sometimes you find on Stack Overflow or somewhere <laughs> else. But sometimes there's, there is no secret incantation and then you have to drop down to AppKit. And if you are bad at AppKit, you're just out of luck, basically. And I have no clue about AppKit because I come from an iPhone background, Okay, well, at least in Swift. So I'm in the same boat, but it sounds like you've you've had some success there anyway, despite that. I mean, I mean, I can tell you more about it if you're yeah. if you're done with yeah, your topic. I can go totally jump jump into um, because the thing is, I have recently announced that I am open sourcing the macOS and um, iOS apps for Telemetry Deck. And awesome. so they're on GitHub right now. You can um, it's an MIT license. You can just do basically whatever you want with that with that code. Um, and the reason for that is basically that um, it is just very hard to keep all these apps abreast on the, on the same cycle. And I needed to pick one app that has that is kind of like the primary app that I'll be working on most of the time, and then allow the, the let's say secondary apps to lag behind a little bit. And because yeah. the most universal app is the web application, even though it's not as pretty and it's not as um, not as Mac-like, of course. Um, it just it is able to reach the most users. It's, it's able to reach users on Windows and Android and Linux. And also you can just jump in there um, from a computer that doesn't have the desktop app installed, which is which is actually something that uh, annoyed a lot of people. Like people would, would write in and be like, hey, I need to... I need to be able to just uh, go like to my boss's computer or something and show them quickly something, and like they are they they having to download the app is a is a bit of a blocker, That's or friction. at least like a at least at least friction exactly. Yeah. So, 
um, uh, about, um, about, I don't know, a half year ago or something, we decided to really go for it and really build up the web application even a bit more, basically. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Peter Steinberger, and mm -hmm. he also very much tried to, uh, he very much encouraged me to take this direction. And this is kind of the result that for now, at least, uh, while we are still very, very tiny and I am basically the only full-time programmer on the whole project of Telemetry Deck, um, we're concentrating on one app that is the canonical app and that is the web dashboard. But that means that, uh, of course, I'm still going to try to keep uh, the iOS app and the macOS app um, um, up to date but i'm inviting the community to basically help me out and for that uh open sourcing the apps is very helpful but yep. also um like sometimes there's a use case that is just just that is just relevant and interesting for one single person and like before that i couldn't help that person but now that person can just like fork the <laughs> fork the source code and just build their <laughs> own a customized version of telemetry deck viewer and just use that like maybe their pull request won't get merged because it's not something that would benefit everyone but it will still benefit that person that's also really cool that's and cool we've had a lot of success with uh, open sourcing our client libraries which is of course something you kind of have to do if you want people to include actually your code they should be able to go through that code with a fine-tooth comb and really like check every single line and see, hey, is this line actually doing something bad? And and they confirm that it's not. That's good. And also, it should be tiny because um, like you don't want people like you don't want people like including your library, and then uh, suddenly their app is like twenty megs bigger or something like that. Um, which is, by the way, thought from before. Um, mm -hmm. Which is one of the reasons that speak against Protobuf because I would have to ship a dependency on a Protobuf library, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if I wanted to send signals in Protobuf. Yeah. You Whereas need, you need the, if I send them in, in JSON, yeah, it's it's yeah, actually not it's that there. much data, especially if it's compressed. But I, yeah. I agree that the data would be slightly less, but um, the apps that we would be shipping and the amount of code would be bigger. Yeah. So probably not something for me or for telemetry deck right now. No, so anyway. and there's also there's also a thing there as well of like um JSON is the dominant form of transmitting data between APIs. Um and in terms of what people expect and when they're coming to sort of link it into their their apps, I kind of feel like you, you want to be in that place rather than dictating something people might find a bit alien. Um Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the blast radius of that into into actually how the app works is limited because the SDK wraps it all up. But even then, it, it, I can't see much need for you to necessarily go all in on that right now as anything. Um, I was just thinking it could be better for you in terms of like how the how the server side and the the app side um, or the SDK side rather have shared code. Um, in, in, yeah, in that's that's definitely something. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Um, so the apps are open source. It's basically one code base that compiles to either iOS or macOS. With um, the more complicated screens, basically they get their own implementation, and then the less complicated screens, they're often the same code, or there's a few, you know, like hash if macOS or hash if iOS um, uh, uh, switch statements in there. Yeah, and um, 
this has been met with a lot of enthusiasm actually which made me pretty happy um but what you can also see is uh, the ios version is pretty simple and straightforward and things just get generally work like on ios 16 there's a few bugs because ios 16 is just in beta right now and some behaviors have changed and i've heard those bugs from other people like i think casey list of the atp podcast has a similar problem with his uh, masquerade where the bottom bottom toolbar doesn't really show up or sometimes it show up, shows mm-hmm. up and sometimes it doesn't masquerade, yeah by the way very cool app <laughs> ask him what type of um what type of analytics he uses. <laughs> but uh, I, I expect these to be kind of fixed or at least a workaround to be known by the time that um, the the final version of iOS 16 comes out. Although that is actually next week, I think, right? Oh, potentially. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, uh, macOS though. Um, so I basically, I wrote a blog post uh, that basically says the same thing as what I've, what I've just told you, that... Uh, and what I also say in that blog post is that I've been fighting against bugs in um, in the macOS version, especially. Uh, actually, some some person, uh, some Apple employee, reached out to me via email and asked me, "Hey, can you can you like um, give me a rundown of these bugs? Like, do you have radar numbers or even mm-hmm. just a description of the bugs that you've encountered in the macOS version?" And I was really flattered, um, but I still have to reply to that email because it's very hard to actually isolate the whole behavior into individual bugs. Yes. Like, um, it feels brittle in some way. It feels, um, when I launched the app and then I had to, I had to have a few, like I, like I'm at on my fourth or fifth implementation of the three pane layout by this, by this time, because Swift UI, if you have a three pane layout, it wants you to have, to have like a, a narrow pane and then another narrow pane. Like think of your mail app or something like, yes, like leftmost pane is the, the folders or the the mailboxes and then the next most pain the next pain is the your emails and then the rightmost pain is actually the detail view for your email so that works but if if I, uh, for my three pain layout view i wanted to have something like xcode where there's a left sidebar and a right sidebar and then content in the middle yes and that has been um okay I'm, i i haven't really tried this since um like for i want to say like 8 or 9 months but at, at least like at, let's say january 2022 this was basically impossible not because like what you could do is like just implement the three pane layout then the, you have a very tiny narrow pane in the middle and then just like drag it bigger and it would actually remember so if, if users dragged it bigger once that would actually work but i kind of didn't want that yeah so i used the appearance framework i think to to like dig deep into the into the app kit class that's underneath and try to to just set the set the widths there and that worked but it led to weird bugs in combination with toolbars <laughs> and uh, and also with um hiding and unhiding panes because that's a, some automatic behavior so yeah. if like users would resize the window then one of the panes would just like 
disappear and then just not come back, even if I try to display content there. Oh, and yep. Um, so I uh, and what I did was I looked at various Apple apps how they did it, and even the official Apple apps because oh hang on detour. If you have an, a, a, an actual split pane, uh, like, for example, look at your notes app or look at your mail app, you have each of the panes has, panes has their own toolbar. So, for example, in the mail app, you have um, icons above the list of emails, like a filter icon. And then you have in the detail view, you have different icons. And if I move the divider between the panes around, the icons will, will move with them because they belong to that pane. Yes. So this is why I really wanted to have a proper three-pane layout because if you fake it, if you just put a, you know, an, an H stack into your main view and yep. then just put a divider in between them, you can, of course, do that. But then, A, you can't drag the divider and resize your panes. And B, um, you just have a one unified toolbar. So for a long time, I tried all the things that I could do and I spent an obscene amount of time just trying to get that um, split pane layout to work properly. And in the end, I just gave up. So the, the current implementation is just an H stack, and you just can't resize the right most uh, pane. Ah, uh, the panes were a pain. You could yes, say. <laughs> and, and also describing um, that for a bug report is very tricky, right? You've got to make almost the entire projects all over again to exactly to the demo thing and. Um, then I have this I, class of yeah. Sorry, go on. I hear what you're saying though. Is the way you've got it, you don't get that nice resize behavior of being able to drag that pane and have the toolbar items uh, flow in and out at the top as well. Because I'm just playing with the the mail app now and doing just that, um, and it's very nice. You know, they they fade um, in and out from the right hand side as I squish it um, right. and add themselves to the uh, to the double chevron right-hand arrows, you can click that and get more options. Um, right. And that's a behavior I would want to have in the same circumstance. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. like one, like a whole class of problems that it comes from that somehow, but it, I don't think it's easy to actually like encapsulate that in, into a radar. And the same yeah. thing, I uh, or, or I have a similar problem with... Hmm, like my kind of mental label for this thing is like just things that happen or that go wrong with concurrency. Um, yeah. So most of the telemetry deck viewer app is not using async await. Like a few parts that I've touched since async await came out, like they they've been updated, but most of it is not using that. And but it is using like um like you know observable objects and states and stuff like that. And yeah. because I felt at the time when I started writing that app that this was the way to go. And I still feel like okay, this is the direction that most of Swift UI's documentation tries to guide you towards. Yes. Um, in a very general sense. Of course, you should. Um, if I would start the start writing this thing today, I would use way more async await calls um, for refreshing and stuff like that. And all the, all the new screens actually have that. But I don't think that's actually the, the the problem. I think the root of my problem is like things are things are state dependent and the state is changing. Yeah. And sometimes the state is state is changing and nothing happens, or sometimes the state just change, state is changing multiple times, or sometimes the state, uh, or sometimes I want to trigger a something and 
because I can't call something because it's all um, observable objects, I have to change the state to trigger, for example, a reload or something like that. And in, on iOS, all this works. Like I'm, tr I'm trying to make it not too hacky, but sometimes it's a little bit hacky. Uh, yep. But somehow on macOS, it leads to a lot of like undefined states, I guess, where the app is suddenly in a in a position or a state where it's like where it doesn't really want to be, and things just going slightly off the off the rails. Like suddenly, uh, icons in the toolbar are positioned completely wrong, or um, suddenly something is that that wants to be animated just animates very slowly to the left. <laughs> and then resets and then okay. animates very slowly to the left or in the toolbar i have this this tab thing in the toolbar sometimes that thing just animates to to small and i don't know why like there's no animation thing on that thing and yeah. also I, I don't know why it would try to be smaller and then snap back um mm. i've got, or I've got like loading theories. stuff and whatever I definitely have Sorry? some theories. Just just given the problems you've described, I have some theories <laughs> as to what could be going I on. I mean, but... feel free to have a look at the code. I've yeah, the, yeah. Um... I added the link to to, to the show notes. <laughs> but um... what I want to do right now is I want to like concentrate more on the web dashboard than this app for these for these yeah. reasons. No, that makes sense. Um, I'm just wondering out loud: Does having the app's code available make reporting the radar a bit easier like i could, don't know could you i i mean in theory yes but yeah, in link, practice link... yeah go i on. um like a lot of the podcast sphere well not a lot of, like atp basically have been complaining a lot about how how like riding radars is kind of shouting into the void yeah and i feel I've been pretty lucky with radars. Like I, I okay. maybe I had low expectations, but what I expect is not Apple responding to my radar. What I expect is that I don't know for the next big uh, release after next WWDC that my issue might be fixed, and that yeah. is actually what happened. Like for example, uh, in uh, one one release ago, I think I found a pretty significant memory issue in SwiftUI. I wrote a test app that's still on GitHub, actually. I wrote a radar. The whole radar is on GitHub, actually. And yeah. no one ever, like, reacted to this radar. I don't, like, I, it, it never get, got closed, but um, it's gone. Like, as, like the, the behavior is now fixed. That's cool. I mean, that, that, that you've got the outcome, even if you haven't had the, right. the niceties of a reply. Um, exactly. It's um, uh, so yeah something I've not really ever done. Oh, um, I'm looking through my GitHub repository and actually created a, I actually cr did create a um, an example repository for the three panel thing. <laughs> hmm. Because ah, because what I did that's the other thing. Like everyone says at WWDC, like the weeks before WWDC, prepare all the radars, file the radars, but then also get into. Uh, sessions with the engineers and talk about your problems with those so that's also what i did i mean it's a lot of homework yeah but um it sometimes helps and um so that's what i did and with um the published leak 
example. That's the one that got fixed. And then here, I'm, I'm going to just add the links here. And then the three panel example that never got fixed. As far as I can tell, like at least I didn't get a reaction. And now I'm kind of out of, um, I'm, I'm not using the, the, the split panel anymore. So I can't really tell. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But so, um, so my tactic was always like, I try to write bug reports and, um, but still, as you see, if you click that link, it does take a lot of work because you have have to create an example project and you have to follow the radar and the radar has to be, has to be well written and succinct and then it still might not get answered or fixed. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've had a pretty good track record, but even then sometimes it's like, oh, do I really want to take the half day or whatever or even the day to like write that example project? Yeah, it's time. And it's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. So um I I might just um reply to the to the Apple person. But uh, to answer your question, does it make it easier to report bugs if the source is open? I don't know. Like I get them like the ATP people would probably not putting words into their mouth, but from what they've said, they would probably say no. They would probably mm -hmm. say like, yeah, but no one is going to take the time to look at that. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Like I'm, I, I have, I, I'm kind of, I have the hope that if I send, for example, this Apple employee uh, in reply to their email, if I send them a link to that project, I could I could imagine that they at least look at it as like oh okay this is someone who wrote a Mac app in the wild so this yeah, is kind of like canary too. in the coal mine code for us yeah yeah certainly if it's pertinent to the issue I imagine it would still get get looked at in in the process of doing that um, hmm I think it's worth you replying it's worth you linking that source code at least. Uh, just to see if there's anything anything that, that comes of that later. But again, I wouldn't expect a further reply, of, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, excuse me, momentarily distracted. I've had uh, <laughs> our biggest cat, our oldest cat, Monty, burst his way into the room. Um, so for anybody looking at the podcast on the website, he'll no doubt be included as a uh, as a guest. Um, very good on, very good on this we love show. our guest stars on this show hi monty <laughs> he's uh he's demanding his breakfast bless him um but, uh, is is monty your only cat monty Question is mark. not my only cat these days we have a second cat at the moment stevie um and i'm hopeful that we manage to make them friends because at the moment they're they're kind of staring each other out through a barrier we've put up in the house. <laughs> sort of going, hmm, who are you? And so hopefully the process of introducing them works out and then we will have two cats permanently. That's that's the plan. Um but Stevie, she's she's our new cat and she's seven months old and is an absolute live wire. Like she, <laughs> she's she's really really sweet, and then she turns into an absolute goblin within seconds, and <laughs> just starts running around, <laughs> attacking people's feet and uh, all sorts of things. Things that uh, our other cat just doesn't do these days because he's just that bit older and a bit more chilled. Um, 
Yeah. You say that yeah. like Stevie's your cat at the moment. Are you going to give her back or We don't we if things ultimately don't work, we have to prioritize the first cat. Oh so yeah. So there's I get that, that possibility. But we're, you know, like 90% confident things are going to work out. It's just going to take some time. So I'm just just trying to be guarded in what I say in case we've had to go, oh, no, this hasn't really hasn't worked. And then we don't have two cats. I'll be quite upset if that's the case, though. Um, so we're doing doing everything we can to sort of introduce them slowly and to get them to to be friendly with each other. Um, so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully by the time the show has aired, we're over that line and things are in a much more normal state, and we don't have a barrier in the house. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah, new cats are the best. Yeah, yeah, she's really, really. You, sweet you sent me well. this. Yeah, you sent me this picture of of her just like lying on your chest, and it's just like so adorable and cuddly. Yeah, yeah, she is. She falls asleep there as well. It's like oh, it's uh. Aww. Yeah. On that note, I think I'm going to. It's have the cat to, show. Uh, yeah, it's turning into the cat show, and I think I'm going to have to go <laughs> and give his master, his lordship Monty, his morning biscuits. That sounds like a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Then that, let's let's close the show. This has been amazing. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter over at David Gary Wood. Um, and you can also find everything about GoVJ at GoVJapp.com. How about you, Daniel? All right. Um, I'm at Break the System on Twitter. And you can go to telemetrydeck.com to check out Telemetry Deck, which is my, my project and my company now. Excellent. All right. Then have a great day. Or, and if you listen to this in the evening, have a great evening. Bye. Bye-bye.